What did you think? Love it. That's one of my, well, not one of my absolute favourites, but it is. I, um, it's been ages since I've seen it. I love watching it again, and I could watch it again right now. Uh, I think that, like, I'm very conflicted as a mom, as an adult, as a person. Mm. I think I have a few conflicts with uh, a few issues that happen in the movie, but, like, it, it was actually very interesting, so, yeah. A good start. A good start. Good episode. Good, good movie to start with. Okay, good. Well, okay. We'll get into it. <laughs> Welcome to Till the Movie Does Fight, a movie discussion podcast between one married couple in our late days. Ed from Australia who likes watching movies, and Bibi from Colombia who likes arguing about them. We will discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly experiences of our movie-going adventure as a means of breaking down the films that are significant to us to hopefully help avoid breaking up our marriage. Will we succeed? It's only one way to find out. Towards the end of 1998, film director Curtis Hansen was trying to decide what to do next. His previous film, LA Confidential, had been an unmitigated triumph. Based upon hard-boiled crime novelist James Elroy's vast, labyrinthian magnum opus of bad hoods and some even badder cops, Hansen's film of LA Confidential accomplished what had previously seemed impossible, creating a thrilling and coherent two-and-a-half-hour movie out of a large, dense, and years-spanning crime saga that jettisoned huge swaths of narrative and plot development without ever sacrificing the soul of the novel. It remains a towering achievement of 90s cinema and posed as a formidable act to follow. It's easy to imagine Hansen feeling overwhelmed at the thought of having to follow up such an instant classic and the questions he must have been asking himself. What do I do now? Will it be as good as the last one? How can I even hope for that to be the case, and is it even worth trying? Luckily for him and for us, Hansen decided that it was worth trying, when he happened upon a story that was about those very questions. He received a script called Wonder Boys. This was also an adaptation, with Michael Chabon's novel of the same name having been released in 1995. The story is about Grady Tripp, portrayed beautifully in the film by Michael Douglas, a creative writing professor based in the cold climes of Pittsburgh, USA, attempting to follow up his critically idolised, but seven years removed, debut novel. He appears to be gripped by self-doubt, constantly craving the comfort of his wife's pink dressing gown and a hit of marijuana. Grady appears to be on the way to some sort of crisis. He is having fainting spells. His editor, the incorrigible Terry Crabtree, played by Robert Downey Jr., is hounding him about his new book, his wife has just left him, and his mistress, Frances McDormand, who also happens to be his boss's wife, is pregnant. To top it all off, Grady gets caught up in the goings-on of his most talented student, the mysterious James Lear, Toby Maguire. Over the course of a few days with James and Terry, Grady will come to learn some harsh but necessary truths about himself and the nature of genius that will ultimately lead him to a better place. Before then, though, he just has to deal with a dead dog, a madman who wants his car, an infatuated student, and a stolen jacket that used to belong to Marilyn Monroe. Simple, right? Wonder Boys was released in US cinemas in February 2000. Although generally well received by critics, it was ignored at the box office completely. This was a perplexing turn of events for many, so much so that producers of the film created a completely new advertising campaign for a re-release at the end of the year, 
time to coincide with Oscar voting. It did end up receiving the Oscar for Bob Dylan's wonderful title song, Things Have Changed, as well as nominations for Steve Close's script and industry veteran Dee Dee Allen's editing. Beyond these achievements, though, the film was again ignored. Wonder Boys, at least in terms of reception, was certainly no L.A. confidential. It seems appropriate that Wonder Boys the film would face such similar circumstances to those experienced by its main character, unable to obtain the critical acclaim that had once seemed so natural and inevitable with the author's previous work. So, why are we talking about it now, over 20 years later? In short, because it's, it deserves it. Wonder Boys is a genuine, heartfelt and hilarious story filled with beautifully vulnerable performances from all of the cast, most particularly Michael Douglas and Robert Downey Jr. The chemistry between them and the rest of the cast, in combination with Hanson's subtle direction and Cloves' nuanced screenplay, results in a film that looks and feels a bit unusual, but is frequently punctuated by truly moving, relatable moments. These are people we recognise, even if we've never met anyone like them before and the film loves each and every one of them. The warmth that radiates from Wonder Boys is infectious, and it's something I don't think I fully appreciated until this most recent viewing of the film. Maybe it's because the world we live in now is so different to the one from which it emerged originally. There's a detachment and an indifference to, to so much of our daily interactions these days, which seem unrecognisable compared to those depicted between the characters in the film, but perhaps not to the characters themselves, though. As James says to Grady in the Chancellor's party at the beginning of the movie, which is a section highlighted by Vivi during our discussion, it's colder in there. Maybe this was just a film simply ahead of its time. With Wonder Boys, Curtis Hansen may not have achieved the lofty critical heights of his previous film, and I'm sure that it must have been disappointing, not only for him, but for everyone involved. However, none of that matters now. What matters is the work, and here it speaks for itself, with an honesty that is unique only to the best films. Wonder Boys loves its characters, but never flatters them. It sympathises with its characters, but doesn't pity them. It creates arguments for the characters, but doesn't divide them. It cheers for the characters, but doesn't cheat the audience. Wonder Boys understands that life is messy, and you are going to disappoint and hurt people along the way, especially when you don't want to. Failing to live up to expectations that seem perfectly reasonable to others is par for the course but it's never too late to make up for it and try again. Okay, so Wonder Boys. Um, this, uh, this film, uh, we decided came under the category of films that I have seen and Vivi hasn't. So I was um, pretty excited to, to sit down and, like, obviously to watch the film again. It's been a while since I've seen it. It's one of my favourites. Um, so I was looking forward to that, but also to seeing what uh, my wife thought about it. Um, because I'm always sort of a bit disappointed when I think I found a film that I, I like and that um, I think Vivi will like, and I think she hasn't seen it, and it turns out that she already has, and she's a bit ambivalent about it or whatever. So this was good. This is one of my absolute favourites, so I was very happy to sort of sit down and watch it again and, um, yeah, get uh, get your thoughts on it. I think, um, you know, usually movies fall into several categories. Mm. I think apart from that one, it falls into the relationships one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's about the relationship. Well, ostensibly it's about the relationship that Grady has with um, Francis McDormand's character. Um, but it's also about his um, sort of trail of relationships that he's, um, I mean, you don't see any of that. 
but it's referred to that this is a guy who, um, you know, not so much self-absorbed, I don't think, but he is. Well, he is, but not in like a an, in a particularly narcissistic way. Oh yeah, it's just he a, can, it's yeah. an interest. Yeah, there's a, a bit of a, a lack of interest. Yeah. Um, in you know the people that he um, should perhaps care a bit better for. Well, like his students, because it's also about the relationship that he has with the students. Yeah, but that's he's got good like in at the end of the film he says. Does he? Well, I think so. Well, he doesn't know anything about James. Yeah, but that's because James doesn't reveal anything about himself. He lies. Yeah, but a good teacher, like, James is an awkward person. Mm. He's like a, a little bit of a weirdo. Mm. So, like, a good teacher or a good adult that is in charge of these minds, well, it would be more interested in talking with this kid and knowing what is going on. Well, possibly. I mean, he tried to do that. When he showed up at the party, he and James was holding that gun in his hand. He immediately said, "No, no, no! I've got a something could go wrong with this kid," and that's where why he got involved. And at the end of it, um, James says to him, "Even if I go to jail, you're the best teacher I've ever had." So you know. Well, yeah, but like I feel that like James James had to go to that extent mm. because this guy was so focusing in his novel, in his life, in his everything, that he really wasn't interested in letting anyone really in. Not even the the, the mistress. Who, Sarah? Yeah, Sarah. Yeah, well, Francis McDormand's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, like, he only, at the end, was kind of forced to admit to everyone that he was in love and that he wanted that life. But, like, if you see the whole movie... He didn't really tell her, I want that kid. I no. want that baby. Yeah. So, like, he was occupied trying to look for his ex-wife that I, that already left him. Um, he was yeah, the, interested about finishing his novel. And actually, I was a little bit, like, I didn't understand those blackouts that he was having. He was sick. He was dying, but what was going on? No, there was just like I think it was a, a bit of a symptom of his of the. Well, I don't think it's writer's block that he had, but the the struggle that he was going through. Like he said, as soon as that at the end of the film, when all the papers are flying off, and um, he said, since that time, he's never had any blackouts. So it was it was not so much I think that he was pushing people away or not letting people in. It was just he he was lost and um, he didn't but look that that um dialogue that he had with um katie holmes character mm. where she says well i read this and actually fall asleep and he didn't make any choices he didn't make any choices yeah. that's because interesting because lost. yeah yeah so he's not pushing people away or keeping people out or being overly you know narcissistic and or self-absorbed it's just he was truly lost he didn't know where he wanted to go until the end until he it, it's a learning process for him like deep down he always knew that he loved sarah and had from the beginning and she was who he wanted to be with he knew that on a on a almost subconscious level but for whatever reason it just it, it didn't fully compute in his head because he felt the pressure to, to follow up this success like there was no way he was anticipating having such success with Arsonist's daughter with his first book. 
And then when it happened, he's like, bloody hell, what do I do now? What am I supposed to do now? I've, I've got to follow it up. It's, it's, you know, I've got to live up to this this expectation and this pressure of this this book that is, you know, apparently very like a, a work of genius. But he wasn't expecting it to be. And I think that's one of the points of the film is that, um, you know, for some people, um, they just got it and they can make it work. Um, for other people, um, it happens without them knowing it. And other people just don't have it and they keep on plugging or they keep on sort of, you know, um, keep on working towards it to try and make it happen. You know, it's that's sort of part of it. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people, they go through life with that lucky strike mm. and they are eager to have it. And then when someone have it, then like you get lost because you have it. So like, is like there is no balance there. Like either you have it and you don't know what to do it or you don't have it and still you want it. And anyway, like is everything about you. And that at some point, I think that Yes, he was lost and all of that, but he was self-centered. Everything was what he was doing, what um, it was happening to him, what he was thinking, and he wasn't really taking care of the people around mm. him, like his students, mm. like his mistress, not even his wife, mm. because she left him. Mm. So, like, you know, it was he was self-centered, mm. and at the end, when he let go that novel... Mm. Like it was incredible long. I cannot mm. imagine reading something that long. Yeah. It was like kind of like yeah, that, that's the whole point of the movie. Like he, um, we I think we've got different perspectives on what he was like. You know, leading up towards the end of the film, you think that he was totally self-absorbed and he was pushing people away. I don't think he was doing that. I think he was lost. But the whole point of the film is that by the end of it, he's come out of that and he's accepted the fact that. It's not about, you know, um, writing a great book and, and being brilliant all the time and having to live up to this pressure. It, you, you can choose to be lost in that or you can choose to focus on what really matters and that's what he does at the end. That's why he gives up the pot. Um, no, I read in the DVD case that, like, basically everything that made that happen, that he realised that he was lost and that he let go was the... Was James character. What do you mean? Hang on. What? So here in the in the in the DVD case, mm. he says at the end he says, okay, so he says, Grady is a famous writer who is also a professor who was avoiding the editor who came to the party that was thrown by the Chancellor who was in love with the writer. And this is the student who could change his life if only the writer would let him. So that led me to think that the one that made the change in the writer was the student. So it wasn't by, by a personal choice. It was because the situation led him to change. Yeah, maybe. That may be one way of looking at it. But then again, that will be the same argument that I was saying before. So like... Is about him and how things affect him. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, what other issues you found in this masterpiece? Well, I mean, the three things that we sort of set each other to talk about, like 
I'm not going to talk about like stuff that's necessarily just in the film. Like I want to talk about, um, well, actually, the first thing I want to talk about is Robert Downey Jr. Because I really, I'm at a complete loss as to what's happened. No, I'm not at a loss actually. I know exactly what's happened to that bloke. He's to to look at him to what what he is now, which is just a, like a shill, a whore for the Disney company. Um, to where he was back then, yeah, like he had some issues and he was in jail and had substance use problems and all that sort of stuff. And it's great that he came out of it. But he he is just a, a shell of what he used to be in terms yeah. of a performer. He is so good in this movie. He is great in this film. And you look at him now and he just does the same Tony Stark, ironic, winking, aren't I so cool action hero shit that they just pump out of the Marvel Studios and you see that and it's like well you know obviously he's more feels a bit more happy than what he's that he than what he was back then great for him um but it's just such a shame to to see where he's at now in terms of the work that he does um and, and comparing that to to this was this film came out 20 years ago which is insane. Um, it really doesn't f- feel that old. The, um, this is a film that I, I think holds up today. Like it could come out today and it, and it wouldn't, like it does not feel dated in one one little bit except for, you know, some of the TVs and technology and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, he, he He's brilliant in this film. He's so good. Um, he just does so many little things with his performance. You know, he... Um, the way he, he looks um, at, at, at Grady and at James and the comments that he makes and the, like at the end when um, he sees Vernon with the gun and he gets all flustered when he's in the car and he starts like <laughs> crying or sobbing and then he jumps out of the car and tries to grab individual papers. Oh, it, it's <laughs> yeah, so good. It's funny. funny and it's just a, like a wonderful piece of business. Um, mm. and it's, it's, it's really, um, well, I don't want to say the word heartbreaking cause it's not that bad, but it's, you look at him in this and you just think this, this is a bloke that is going to be such an important actor for the next 30, 40 years. And, you know, for Marvel and for his bottom line, yeah, he's, he's been great and he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars now. So, you know, awesome, great for him, but the, the, the work that he's done since then is just sludge and trash. And I honestly, like, I wonder if he ever sort of has any regrets um, about where he's at. Probably not. Like, that's... that's uh, you don't know that. Well, maybe, like, but it, it doesn't matter. It's just such a shame because... Well, that's true. Like, he has done really great movies. And I agree. I agree with you. Like, like he was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Remember that film? But even um, this one about the serial killer. Oh, Zodiac. Zodiac. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. movie was amazing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. really good, compatible, two characters, really good. And he was clever. Mm-hmm. He was interesting. He was amazing. Mm. And yeah, like Marvel movies, like for all the fans and whatever, is great. But but really, it's the same. He, he can his do... performance is it's, it's one note. It is the same thing. Over, over and, over, and again. over again, and 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 for some actors, mm. that's good because, like, they really cannot do yeah, any exactly. better. If but that's for the this limit one, of their range, fine, like great. 
But this bloke, he is such a good actor when he wants to be. And he just doesn't want to be that anymore. He just wants to be the Marvel shill. And he just wants to get the big checks. Well, I think you are judging there. Like, you need probably to step back a little bit because you don't know him. You have never talked to him. Of course not. But, like, but like, it's obvious. Like, you cannot judge for what you are seeing on television or on the movies. Like, you don't know how hard was his life with the drugs and everything. Well, so I'm like, assuming it was dreadful. That's why he's doing this. Yeah, but, but like, it... you cannot judge the person. Just so because you have seen... No, you can't. <laughs> Who's going to stop me? Well, you shouldn't then. You shouldn't. Because well, that's not fair. It's not fair to who? He doesn't to him. Vivi, like, he's not going to listen to this. No one's going to listen to this. It's just me talking. It's just my opinion. That's not true. What about if, like, we became so famous one day that, like, he actually listened to this and said, I'm going to talk to that people and I'm going to tell him. Well, then, okay, in that completely unrealistic, ridiculous <laughs> scenario, he um, sort of put me back in my place and that's fine. Well, anyway, we are uh, derailing from the movie. Mm. So, yeah, I agree, I agree with your opinion about... Robert Downey Jr. But about the character and the situation that happens, I'm a bit cross that Robert Downey Jr. character had in the movie mm. because, like, when he met James, he started grooming him, mm. like, in the bar when the professor go in, enters and see this kid, like, passed out. And this guy touching him underneath the table and then later like touching him his hair to the point that the teacher actually at the end he says, Oh, he can go with me and said, No, no, no. He goes with me mm. and put him in the sofa. Mm. So like no near this guy. Mm. And then like eventually he he got his goal because they ended up on the bed in the bed. Mm. So like I don't know why that was needed. Like the whole movie is about this guy, this writer, um, and then like this awkward kid, and all that situation needed to happen. I I I was a little bit. Well, cross. it's it's about um, James sort of, um, you know, coming out of his shell as well. Like he's gay. James is gay. How do you know? Well, because he ends up in bed with Robert Downey Jr. But that's the thing with grooming. But Vivi, you've got to remember that this is not a child. James Lear is in university. He's a university student. He's not a child. That's, <laughs> you can't, like, they are grooming even for adults. Well, whatever. But, like, you, you're sort of looking at it, though, as though James Lear is this, you know, the schoolboy. He's not. He's a university age man. He he would be over 18, 18, 19, 20, something around that era. So what? Well, like, you know. That's taking up, like, so, like, uh, if I go out and I'm 36, mm. I go out and I get drunk and a guy touches me or even, like, rapes me or whatever, then, like, that's what? Yes. but I'm an again, adult. Yeah, again, he wasn't. He wasn't um, comatose. He was completely aware of his surroundings um, uh, at that point. And the movie makes that clear. Does it? Because I couldn't understand that part. Yes. Like, yes, they are making this story about this guy that mm. they are looking at. 
and and he just adds a little bit of the story. So that's great. Mm. Yes, I understood that. But the first part, like even when you are drunk, there are moments that you get kind of conscious, but that doesn't mean that you are like fully conscious. Mm. So like, I really didn't like that part. Okay, well, that's fine. But look, <laughs> it's... Um... And it didn't add anything to the whole movie. Yes, it did. What? What, what did that? It showed James sort of like breaking through these boundaries that he first, like he'd obviously... Um, never... He's a liar. Yeah, he... yeah, but that's different. Like he, so the first thing he said to Grady was that, no thanks, I don't lose, like to lose control of my emotions. So he's obviously always been like that. But this situation, it's like this is one of the um, major turning points of his life. Like he's breaking through his own self-imposed barriers by doing simple stuff like getting drunk or, you know, having codeine or whatever and getting felt up by someone in, 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 a, in a bar. He wasn't being taken advantage of. Grady thought that possibly that was, you know, um, there was a chance of that. So he just sort of took care of him and said, no, we'll, we'll just remove you from the situation. And then the next night or the night after the next, James is fine. He's not, he's not, you know, um, under the influence of any drugs or alcohol or anything. Neither is Robert Downey Jr. And they end up together in bed. That's that like, that's how it happens. Mm. It, it's not like this um, scandalous sort of thing. It's not a scandal. Like mm. people can do with their private life, whatever they want. But, but you're saying it doesn't add anything in the film. I'm saying it does. It's showing the development of this of this young guy um, at an important. The movie is about an important stage of Grady's life, of Sarah's life. Not so much of Hannah. She's a bit on the periphery. She nothing really. She doesn't really contribute to the film that much, other than sort of helping Grady see the light. Um, important for Grady. Important for um, James. Important for Crabtree. Important for Sarah. Uh-huh. Crabtree, Robert Downey Jr. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's about all those characters sort of coming together at this one point in time or over the span of a, a few days and how their lives will change after that. And and that's what it shows. It shows Grady coming to terms with the fact that he needs to be with Sarah and move on from this sort of um, state of, of, of um, not knowing where he's going or what he's doing and moving through that to on the path to where he needs to go. And it's about the same for um, James as well. Like James is, he's, he's trapped in this own world that he's created by his own social awkwardness and the lies that he puts up to protect that, to keep people at bay. It's about him pushing through that. Um, and it's about uh, Terry sort of being involved with these two guys and um, becoming more successful again. Like Terry's, he's, he's almost out of his own job. He's regarded as a joke in his own industry. Hmm. And so it's about him, you know, uh, getting in um, um, or getting back involved with Grady, but also getting involved with James, with these Wonder Boys. Uh, and that's uh, that's what it's about. Mm. Well, if you put it like that, but still, I feel like and that and the use of drugs. Like a professor giving drugs to kids mm. and, and like spreading drugs everywhere. It's mm. like... Like, that's not like, like a really good example. Yes, but once again, one or more, these are adults. 
It doesn't matter. Well, brace like... yourself, baby. People take drugs out there. People smoke <laughs> weed. A lot of creative people like writers, um, actors, um, uh, playwrights, musicians, they smoke weed because it inspires them. It frees them from their own, you know, um, the, the boundaries they put up. That It frees their mind. That's the whole point of it. That's why it's so popular. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, that's what it's about. <laughs> that's what it's about. Yeah, but that doesn't set a really good example. Well, no, it doesn't. But, you know, what are you going to do? Well, but I can have my own personal opinion of about course, that. Of course. Right. So, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to raise? Because I was just going to go straight into Michael Douglas. Go ahead. Mickey D. Um, yeah, I, he, he's... I've always thought he's been massively underrated as an actor. He is—he's um, one of my favourite actors. Um, has been for a while. Um, I haven't, you know, of late. I haven't seen that much of him. He's in that Netflix. Um, there's a series on Netflix that he's in. Which one? It's called the Kaminsky Method. Kaminsky Method. It's—he plays like an actor or something. I, I watched the first a couple of episodes of the first season. Thought it was pretty good but never really sort of stuck with it. Anyway, the third season's I think it's either just come out or it's coming out pretty soon. Okay. Uh, supposed to be pretty good. Maybe we can watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, um, he he can do... Um... I think that he is very chameleonic. Yeah. So, like, when you see him in a movie, you really you, you really can see the, the character. Mm. Like... I don't. I don't think he's necessarily chameleonic. It's always Michael Douglas in in whatever film he's in, but he he's um he's believable in yeah. the roles. That's... Like he's not chameleon. Like Daniel Day Lewis is chameleonic. Like he's he's not Daniel Day Lewis in the films that he's in. He's Bill the Butcher or Daniel Plainview. He is those characters. Whereas Michael Douglas is always Michael Douglas. But he's so enjoyable to watch. I think mm. you know Gordon. It's easy to watch. Oh yeah, Gordon Gecko. He won the Oscar for that. Great performance. Basic Instinct. Um, this and, you know, like in the game, I think that's a really good, really good performance that he gives in that. This one um, is, is is wonderful. I love it. Like he's funny. He's human. He's vulnerable. Um, he's completely believable as this sort of, um, you know, uh, stoned professor schlubby guy getting around in that pink you know <laughs> pink dressing gown smoking a, a, a um you know a marijuana cigarette at you know seven o'clock in the morning or whatever it is um uh yeah it, it, i really really enjoy him um as a performer and um is one of the reasons why i really love this film he um it's, it's his performance and his presence like um he, he in this film he feels like it would actually be fun to hang around him, not not for too long. He'd probably get really annoying, I think, after a while. But um, you know, he he just doesn't give a crap about anything. Like you know, when he picks up the phone to call um, to call Walter and Sarah's place at three thirty in the morning, and he's out on the porch. He just pulls the cord, and the lamp crashes. And so he just doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It, it doesn't matter to him. Um, yeah, there's just so many little little touches, um, mm. you know. I think, like, looking at this character, you can relate it with so many people that you met at uni. Really? Yeah. Jesus, I didn't meet anyone like you. Well, I met a couple of professors. 
Oh, really? Hmm. Okay. One in particular. Oh, no, yeah. because I like oh, him. Oh, really? So what happened? <laughs> no, nothing, but like... He didn't take you on like a car trip with, you know, to go out and nah. shoot a dog and get Marilyn Monroe's jacket or anything? <laughs> so funny. No, but like the kind of personality and that thing of like accessible, but not very accessible, actually not accessible mm. at all. I had a couple of professors like that when mm. I was at uni. Okay. Um, yeah, no, great performance. Um, and there's going to be other other movies that he's in that we'll do on these uh, over, you know. Um, well, yeah, there's going to be at least two or three, I think, that we'll do down the track. Now, there is something that probably we are going to agree upon, and is that I hear, like, they are not making these movies anymore. Mm. Like, it feels like nowadays is all these Marvel movies and f really fast, um, not even adventure, but like, you know, really fast movies and like really high Dumb, in big budget yeah, CGI in technology, yeah, yeah. like the one that we watched the other day, that that was a waste of oh, life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but these kind of movies, they are not really out there anymore. No, uh, the, it, like in the very unlikely sort of, um, like they wouldn't, They this movie is based on a book okay. by Michael Chabon, or I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Um, if they were going to sort of adapt this book, if they hadn't done the movie, they were going to adapt it today, it'd be a like a mini series on Netflix. It wouldn't be a film. They would not make it a film. Why? Well, because they don't like exactly like you're saying. They don't do that anymore. Oh, Movies, cool. you know, uh, unless it's a, a sci-fi fantasy novel with like two or three sequels already written, um, they're not adapting it. They're just not adapting it. Um, that, that's a bit of an exaggeration because they're still doing it. But like instead of, you know, this being par for the course, like you know, in the even sort of. When did this come out? Year 2000. Early 2000s, late 90s, all through the 90s. Movies like this came out every second week. Mm -hmm. It was just regular, okay, this one's coming out, then this one's coming out, this one's coming out. Not all of them were great. Not all of them were anywhere near as good as this. But they were just, you know, they were about human people with, you know, they had, some of them had funny scripts, some of them had dramatic scripts. They were interesting. Real issues. Real issues, Exactly. That is the sort of stuff that instead of, you know, one coming out every second week or even every every week, um, maybe a handful come out every year that, are, you know, approach the quality of this film. And now it feels like real issues, they have to be approached with like a kind of a political correctness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like on top of that, they are not going to, they are not talking about real issues, mm. like real, real issues. They are like kind of photoshopping all the situations so it like, like it's like by every single group of people and that's annoying mm. because yeah. that's that really lose the purpose mm. yeah and, you know we um i think we were talking about this earlier today like um it it sort of it takes away from um i mean it depends on what film you're talking about but something like this um uh, if, if this, again, if this film was adapted today, it would come out as a Netflix episode or a Netflix series. 
and there would be much more focus given to like you know um the the gay angle and and the, the um lgbtqi stuff and like you know that's fine i mean that that show that i watched the other day it's a sin it's all about that and that's a great show it's a really really good show what is the name it's a sin remember i told uh, you that yeah, yeah, you know yeah. it was like really sad <laughs> um but it's a great show you know films like this um it just seems as though they're not getting made as often as they they were and when they do get made a lot of them have these um political you know um, arguments or viewpoints or you know these agendas sort of shoehorned into them because that's how things are done now like you can't just have a, a normal film that um is just about the idea of the film or the characters of the film there's all this political stuff that gets shoehorned into it because it you know you have to have diversity and inclusion and all this all this sort of other stuff um and it just it becomes not about the film not about the story that you're telling it's about all this other stuff that is just for me anyway completely uninteresting Mm. um if you know if you're telling um I'm not saying you can't tell any story you want to tell. That's fine. It, but it's not. But it's not. Is I think is how you say it, mm, how you tell it. Mm, so like you can talk about issues like, you know, female, strong females, or or black people, or uh, homosexual people, or communities, Latin communities, like. You can talk about everything, mm. but it's how you want to play it. You know, like uh, you are going to play it as the victims. You are going to play it as forcing the the people to believe that, you know, these are super people or whatever. It's how you play it. Mm. Like humans, like we have situations that sometimes like this, you know, like we are in close in ourselves and something just break the shelf and make you get out of that situation Mm. um and that happens that happens to writers that happens to parents that happens to teachers that happens to anyone Mm. um and it's not about like how the characters look or the likes or whatever is the situation itself and it should be focused there Mm. no yeah probably so we should probably get back to talking about the film, Wonder Boys. Well, I think it was a it was a good movie. I like it. I'm not going to say that probably is my personal favorite one, but I enjoy it. Mm. Mm. It okay. was a good choice, right. and this is the first movie that we're doing um, an episode of the podcast. Mm, yes, I'm sure when we actually sit down and listen to it, it'll <laughs> it'll seem that way. Hopefully, by the uh, after we've done a few more of these, we'll get a bit more polished. But look, I, I think um, just getting back to it, I mean, this whole point of why we started doing this podcast was that we wanted to discuss films um, that, for you know, for one reason or another, we enjoy or we're interested in or we thought were worthy of discussion. Um, this film doesn't really have um, an overarching sort of message or moral i don't think other than 
the only thing I think I would sort of class as the moral of, of Wonder Boys or, you know, the, you know, the, the main idea to take home from it is that whatever your situation, you don't, you, you can, um, you can choose to make things better for yourself if you really want to. Mm. Um, you can choose, you can decide to, to be stuck in the situation that you're in, or you can choose to, you know, um, get, get all that stuff off, shake it off as what's her name? Taylor Swift, you know, she might suggest <laughs> shake it off. Um, and, and just go for what, you know, deep down is best for you. Mm. Um, well, I see it as this. You know that, well, I don't know if here you have those things, but anyway, like in carriages, the horses, they have these the blinders. The blinders. Mm. So like they only make them look to the front. Yeah, yeah. Well, people are like that. If you, if you take those blinders out, you will see a whole new world around you. Mm. And, and those blinders in this case is that obsession of being up to certain standards. Mm. When in reality, the only person that should put any standards in yourself is you, mm. you know, like as a parents, obviously we give advice and we teach our kids about like society and standards and whatever but at the end of the day they are going to be their own per their own people mm. and they need to like put their goals for what they want to achieve and they have to just go for it but no feeling pressure by anyone not us not the teachers no no anyone mm. you know mm. they are going to feel like that but if you let the dad takes the best out of you, then you are not going to enjoy your life because you are like running for all these people wanting you to run or do whatever and not really actually enjoying this life, mm. which is so short mm. that at the end of the day, when you are about to die and you see back and you are like, what I have done, mm. everything is for all the people enjoyment. And what about me? So I think that's my moral. Okay, yeah. Um, I think the only other thing I wanted to touch on with this film is that it's, um, and you mentioned that line that Katie Holmes um, brings up uh, in her discussion with Grady towards the end of the film, like where he just didn't make any choices. That's something that um, I think is, for me anyway, interesting about you know being a professional writer or a writer of any sort. I've always wondered how, basically how how people do that how that how does someone actually sit down and write a novel i'd love to do it like i, I you know would like to be able to to do that one day but it's interesting to me um that process and when she talks about not making choices i think i would i would sort of be a bit like i wouldn't be like grady where he just keeps he couldn't he says he couldn't stop he keeps going and going and going i'd i'd sort of get to the point where i'd write something and go well what do I write here? I've got, I've got like all these ideas, but which one do I select? And if I select one, how do I, how do I describe it? How do I write it? You know, and I've always wondered about, you know, the choices that the writers make. Why did they make the choice to write that sentence? Or why did they make the choice to um, finish that chapter right there? Um, 
where did they get the idea to, to come up um, or how did they get this idea that they're writing about? What inspired that? Um, and why did they decide to write it about that way with these characters? All the, the, the millions and millions of choices that have to be taken in order to, at the end of the day, bang down this 700-page novel or however long it is. Hmm. It, to me, it's... Uh, it's it's really sort of um, sort of fascinating and um, and overwhelming, I think. Um, but... and, and this and this film, it, it it doesn't come at it from that angle, but it, it addresses those those questions. I think about how do these choices get made. But did you hear at the end of the movie, um, Michael Douglas' character, sorry, Grady, um, that he says to to the editor. He says, uh, I'm being paid to be a teacher and to teach all these kids how to write when at the end it's not really what I teach them because like they are they are either skilled or not mm. and I'm just like teaching them my experience. So like I'm really not teaching, I'm just telling them my experience and they and they are the ones that take something out of it. Mm. So that's probably a little bit part of that. Like, obviously, when in the writing process or whatever, that's another story. But it's like it is very important until a certain extent, the teacher's role, the parent's role, every role. Mm. You know, like you are not following anyone's steps. You are just following yours and taking your skills to take you whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, all right. What was your favorite part of the film? My favorite part of of the film, just like if you look back on it, what did you enjoy the most? Well, I really like that tiny dialogue that um, Great Grady and and James had outside of the greenhouse mm-hmm. when they are talking about like the greenhouse and that that looks like heaven, and there was a, a really interesting part where James said, um, "Over there," so referring to the party is colder than here mm. and and i think that struck me because like you always think that like you have parties with your friends and you know like with people that love you and like parties are fun and all of this but sometimes some parties they are just a facade so like no one is interested no one really wants to be there but it's there mm. and outside like this movie was like in in, in in winter grimy grim pittsburgh exactly mm. and and saying that is like it's talking really really loud about what is happening inside of this party mm. i think okay um yeah i i couldn't really choose there's just so many little gems in this film it's just made up of these little bits of dialogue or performance or you know, direction, um, camera work. There's just, it just, it's all cobbled together from these, you know, little uh, nuggets of, of gold. Um, I, honestly, I don't know if I could choose, I mean, if I had to choose one, I'd probably choose that part at the end that we spoke about before where um, the, the papers come flying out of the car and Robert um, Downey <laughs> Jr.'s running and Vernon's there. And, um, you know, that's, that's just a, 
a, uh, a funny and, and interesting way to sort of um, basically end the film. But yeah, um, all the stuff with Vernon Hardapple in the in the in the in the bar, um, all the stuff with <laughs> the, on in the car ride that um, Traxler gives Grady home, and Traxler's asking him about Errol Flynn running rubbing um, paprika on his dick and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Um, you know, um, at, at the beginning, um, with Poe, the dog, um, <sighs> getting shot and then Michael Douglas's sort of reactions to, to that and fit as a fucking fiddle. It's just great. There's so many really <laughs> wonderful bits and pieces of it. I love the film. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been way too long since, uh, since I've watched it last and really, really enjoyed watching it again. Okay, well, um, this was the very first movie that we had a chat about. I think we agreed the move, like in general about the movie. Um, it's worth watching. It, it it's is. really worth watching. It's not very well known. It, like all the critics loved it, got lots of really good reviews, but for whatever reason, no one went to see it, which is such a shame because it's a it's a really great film. And, well, um, it feels like sometimes, like really great films get overshadowed by other films that really did well. Mm, Maybe that happens. Probably, but usually with really great films, they get redis rediscovered after time. And it's been twenty years now, and, and so, no one talks about it. Like you know, I'm sure it's got its fans out there, um, but very, very, very few people would probably even know that the film exists, even though it's got a awesome cast. Like. Michael Douglas, Robert Downey Jr., Tobey Maguire, mm. um, Francis McDormand, you know, Katie Holmes, really, and they're all great. Mm. They are all great, really, really great performances across the board. Curtis Hansen directed this film. He the, the previous film he made was L.A. Confidential. He was up for an Oscar for that film. It's um, yeah, it's 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 such a good film, and I would completely highly recommend it. Okay, see. Um, let me see. So if you are listening to us, um, we highly recommend this film. It's Wonder Boys and you can... I don't know that you can actually, where you'd watch it now. I'm not, I haven't seen it on Netflix or Stan. I don't even know if they still sell the I'm DVD. pretty sure that you can rent it in a, through iTunes YouTube. iTunes or yeah, YouTube, something like that. Mm, maybe. I yeah. don't know. It's but it's still, it. it's very worth it. Worth so it. go and check it if you want and we see you next time yep see you then okay bye bye